Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. <laughs> I'm out and about. It's hands-free sometimes. And um, yeah, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? We've talked about... I want the AC off. Off. We've talked about the devils. We've talked about Gloria. I mean, I you know, I don't want to sum everything up, you know. I think the Devils was probably the highlight of the week. And um, I, I want to just give a, a, a shout out to George uh, for also implying, you know, of using it for foreplay. Maybe when COVID lifts, I'll do that. You know, I'll have someone over. Hey, you want, you want to watch this freaky movie? You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Um I'm going to go home and watch. I mean, my plan is, but you know how plans are, to watch the documentary about Cream Magazine. I love documentaries. I think documentaries, everyone wants to watch reality TV. Fuck that. I think documentaries have been where it's at. You know, you can learn things. You can be grossed out by things. And then I'm going to try to watch the Billie Holiday film, The United States versus Billie Holiday with Audra Day. I love Billie Holiday. I got into her when I was a teenager. It was probably one of the smartest decisions I ever made. Well, one of the many, you know, because I remember I was I was working in the library in high school. Um, well, it was part of a credit, and it was like when you when you get to be a junior, you you either get to be a teacher's assistant or I worked in the library. And I remember one day someone was looking up something on Billy Holiday, and I thought, hmm. And I'd always kind of wondered about her from afar. And then I remember I had seen something about Motown and how Diana Ross had played her. And I thought, oh, okay. You know, yeah, baby, where did Billie Holiday go? No, I don't think so. You know, talk about stop in the name of love. But, and, and Diana Ross was nominated for playing Billie Holiday. And I thought, you know, I want to investigate Billie Holiday some more. And I bought the old records. Oh, my God. There is a quality to her voice that is so emotional, so provocative, so evocative. There's a lot of evocatives. Well, you know. Um, But I will honestly tell you, the later recordings of Billie Holiday are stunning. Because you can hear everything she lived through in those records and there's a really beautiful album called lady in satin and she is oh my god the orchestration the strings she's singing um at the end of a love affair or you don't know love or you brought me violets for my furs you've changed um and her voice i mean the outtakes you can hear I mean, and then there is a beautiful song that she did toward the end of her life I think it was months before she died called When It's Sleepy Time Down South written by Louis Armstrong and these are the last recordings that she did and they are stunning because her voice is basically gone it's gone and she is using everything that she has left to emote and to give us that Billie Holiday, um, you know, energy. 
And I thought, you know, film-wise, I've seen bits and pieces of Lady Sings the Blues. And hey, Diana Ross, you know, she did it. She she brought it. But singing-wise, no. And I'm very curious about Audra Day. I've seen clips of her singing Billie Holiday, and it is striking. Now, um, Audra McDonald, Broadway star, did Billie Holiday live at Something Grill and received a Tony Award for it. And I thought that that is fascinating right there because she she was able to analyze Billie Holiday's voice and how and how why no one else could sound like her and how she was able to uh, do a performance of that to to maintain the essence that was Billie Holiday. That no, you know, when they make these movies about these stars, and and they don't, they, you know, it's like Janis Joplin. They for years they've been trying to make a movie about Janis Joplin, and I love what Bette Midler said because you know she did the Rose, and the Rose is kind of based off of a Janis Joplin, well, off of Janis, and she says I don't think they will ever capture what she is in a film because there was no one else like her. And she was talking about how she did the song The Rose in the movie, which is kind of based off of, you know, how Janice thought she would never find love or never be in love and the heartache of that, you know. Oh, my God. I love I love Bet. Yeah. Don't get the obvious twisted. I think everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you're gay. You're supposed to like Bet. Well, I, I like Bet, you know. Oh, it doesn't hurt that she's a Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius. I, I kind of... I, I get it. I get it. Um, great actress. I love the film For the Boys. It's her and James Caan. Where she's playing kind of... It's almost like this Bob Hope. Um, uh, you know... Um, Lana Turner, whatever type of... war. You know, World War II. Oh, it wasn't Lana Turner. Who was it? Maybe the Andrews sisters, um, you know, performing during the uh, the Second World War for the troops, you know, and it covers it goes all the way to the Vietnam War, you know. And so that I would talk about that tonight is these these performance films. You know, a lot of people don't like musicals. I get it, but you know, I talked to uh, my guest George recently about Ken Russell's Devils, and Ken Russell directed Tommy. Tommy is such a wild musical film. You got Anne Margaret. You've got Roger Daltrey of The Who, because it's based off The Who. And you have Oliver Reed and Jack Nicholson. My favorite, I'm, we're just going to talk about Tommy. Fuck it. My favorite is the energy and craziness of how Anne Margaret dances. Um, where, uh, they're, okay. Oh, do I smash the mirror? Where the dance that she does, it's like, what? This is before disco, okay? This was, whoa, what the fuck? And then Tina Turner is giving it with the acid queen, you know? I'm the gypsy, acid queen. Um, yeah. Because they want to make a man out of Roger Daltrey because he's deaf and blind and dumb, you know? Uh, but he sure plays mean pinball, you know, pinball wizard. I love the who and I love those songs. 
And the first time I had heard of Tommy, I thought, I don't want to watch that. I watched it and I thought, oh, fuck, this is like one big giant music video where he, you know, he goes or she says, do I smash the mirror? And she smashes that fucking mirror with a vodka bottle. I mean, thankfully, it wasn't the beans, the Heinz beans scene. That's pretty messy. But and in the way he just kind of falls through that mirror into the water you know, and and that's the stu- that's the beauty of Tommy and Ken Russell. So for Ken Russell to go from the Devils to Tommy, we can't play any of it because of the music, and I don't want the Who to come after me. Um, I don't I don't want Ken Russell where his ghost or whatever he is to come after me. But that is the talk about the extremes to go from doing the Devils to Tommy and this this cast. I mean, you got Eric Clapton, you've got Elton John, Anne Margaret, Oliver Reed, Jack Nicholson, Roger Daltrey, Tina motherfucking Turner. I know. It's it's rock and roll. It's Tommy. Tommy was raunchy. Fuck. And, and Anne Margaret actually was nominated for an Academy Award for Tommy. Didn't win. That would have been interesting if she had won. But you know, films like Tommy don't win. They retain that cult status by people searching for it. You know, it's like, okay, throughout the... You know, some films that we just love are not successful. And and who fucking cares? Because you're able to, as a cult following, get into it. And and I think that's what Tommy is. You know, um... I think we should have sing-alongs like they do with the Rocky Horror Picture Show of Tommy. Because everyone knows those Who songs. You know, see me, feel me, touch me. You know, he seems to be completely unreceptive. I'm sorry, I can't sing tonight. Usually I can, but not tonight. I'm driving. And yet it's hands-free. And when the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast goes hands-free, watch out. (laughs) You know, but... Yeah, there, there is something so magical about Tommy the first time I saw it. You know, Elton John doing Pinball Wizard. And all the while, I'm thinking, Elton, I like your version, but just let the Who do their magic, okay? You know, I love Elton John. Trust me, I love him. Um, and then El- Eric Clapton's in it. And, oh, fuck. Tina Turner, though. The Gypsy. The Assy Queen. That is fucking wild and we got to give it to tina turner because tina turner didn't do a lot of films she did of course mad max beyond thunderdome where she played auntie m you know that that is such a and hey it's it's mel gibson and it's tina turner okay it's tina turner i'm i'm multitasking don't pay attention to me um it's the dr zeus film podcast i run this by myself when I edit it, I edit it. Sometimes I don't want it edited. When I record, I record. And yeah, you know, it's not it's not totally professional. And you're going to hear clanking and I'm opening a gate. Because we don't have the... The electronic gate yet. But fuck it. I've got the show. And I will say that for the lack of professionalism that this show has, because I edit it myself, you're hearing all these juicy little nuggets that I'm doing right now. 
just everyday things, throwing the keys down, locking the gate and saying, fuck it, good night. Um, But I maintain that as an interviewer, as a chronicler, as a historian of film, I give it my all. And I am professional. And that is my professionalism that I bring. So people will say to me, I've had friends say this to me, and I love them, but sometimes fuck off. Where they'll say to me, you know, you really should do your homework. You know, if you're going to do a show, do you do a show? No. I'm getting a little punk rock here, so I'm not simmering down. And I've done this show. One time someone said to me who remained nameless, you know, you really should prepare better. And I looked at her and I said, well, you know, I've been doing this show for almost two fucking years. I think I know what I'm doing. Okay. I know how to speak into the mic. I don't know how I don't speak. You know, I'm not. It's not like Johnny Cash where they told him to back up from the mic because his voice is too boomy. Oh, I love that voice. But, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. Yes, I could improve some things, but I don't want to. Because I know my audience. I know my audience is with me. And I don't think people get that. People are like, oh, you just want the ladder to success. You got to clean that shit up, bitch. No. If I want the ladder to success, I know what I want. And I know how to do it. And it's not about ambition. It's about giving your audience authenticity. Giving them realness. Giving them love. Knowing that when you speak to them... If they're going through something, I mean, we're all going through fucking shit. Co motherfucking vid. And you know what? And I'm here for all of you. And that's why I want, I always try to provide my listeners with something daily a nugget of information, a nugget of love and understanding because I want, I love all of you. I, it, that, you know, that's something that I really, I, I don't take my audience for granted. And that's why I try to give, or not try, because Yoda said, do or do not. There is no try. So I just do it. I do it. And that's why I record these episodes daily. It's not only something for me. And, you know, I do it. Uh, what is it? <laughs> what did Elvis Costello said when he says about songwriting? He says it beats kicking the t- TV and seeing a shrink. <laughs> That's why I do this. It beats kicking the TV. <laughs> it beats seeing a psychiatrist <laughs> or a shrink and just, well, the same thing. And, and hashing it out. I hash it out on the podcast. And, you know, give you information and give you love and give you culture. And Tommy, you know, Tommy, can you hear me? I could sing that. It's not like they're going to come after me. Tommy, can you hear me? You know, I love the who. I love The Who. I remember listening to them in 2010 in a very dark point in my life where I was going through a lot of anger. I broke a window. I have a really gnarly scar on my left arm because of it. No. And yeah. So the music, I feel the music. I get it. I understand it. So to know that there's a film... About the Who's Tommy, called Tommy, directed by Ken Russell, released in 1975. (sighs) 
we can all breathe a sigh of relief thinking, ah, okay, we're going to go from the devils to this wild rock opera written by a really great rock and roll band. You know? And <laughs> shit, it's 40, 46 years later, huh? You know? Ever since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball. From Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all. I ain't seen nothing like him in any amusement hall. That deaf boy, dumb and black kid, sure plays mean pinball. He's a pinball wizard. Oh, I love that. I love that original. I love the movie. And Roger Daltrey, my God, fucking rock and roll. I mean, the essence, the power, the calibration. And this film brings it. But I, for me, it's all about Anne-Margaret. Anne-Margaret just dancing like she does frantically. It's like, shit. Hello, Elvis. Because, you know, that was Elvis's love. You know, it, they were no longer together, but they always stayed in contact. He always sent her flowers. Isn't that interesting? So... And Margaret, who's going to be 80 this year, 40. She's going to be 80 this year. Happy birthday coming soon, Anne Margaret. But it's all about Tommy, 46 years. Directed by Ken Russell, also who directed The Devils. So to go from one extreme, Miss Vanessa Redgrave and Oliver Reed, to another, Anne Margaret and Oliver Reed, Jack Nicholson, hello, and Roger Daltrey, this is Tommy. Directed by Ken Russell, 1975. Unpleasant dreams.